Hello, everyone. My name is Nick. I'm the host of Nikolai's Kitchen, and I'm also the host of the annual live stream for The Cure. Livestream for the Cure is a charity event where we raise money with content creators and podcast partners from around the world for the Cancer Research Institute, a wonderful nonprofit researching cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This is a mission and a future that I truly believe in. And myself and my team worked tirelessly over the past five years to raise over $50,000 for this cause. This year, we're aiming for our biggest single goal to date of $20,000, and we cannot do it without your help. Please join us for the event May 19th through the 21st, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern, for 45 hours of content from people all over the world. Together, we can bring hope for a future immune to cancer. The more eyes we reach, the more dollars we raise. Please help us in making this goal a reality. Together, we can make a difference. Art, comedy, pop culture, and much more. You're listening to ACPN. Okay, here we go. Something, something. Okay, here we go. Hey, everybody. I'm James Hatton. And I am Vengeance. <laughs> it's the something, something in review. What's going on, everybody? I, I'm good. Um, now that I finally, you know, dropped the ring into Mordor in the amount of time it takes to watch that damn movie. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, we are reviewing the Batman for those of you who did not look at the uh, episode graphic. And, and I appreciate you didn't guys. Get my gra- didn't get my joke. And uh, if, you are, if you are the type of person who just goes, new episode of the somethings, I'm just going to hit play. Don't even need to read. You're my favorite listener. Yeah. Because that means you could give a shit. Yep. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this was... Uh, this was a long movie, and uh, and to try to be as movie accurate as possible, uh, today's something in review episode will be uh, one to one in length for the movie that we are reviewing. So, Good God, so tuck in, <laughs> set your timers, Martha. set your timers, order your Hello Fresh or whatever it is, so you have plenty of vittles. And by the end of this. Set your pacemaker because clearly you've aged thirty. Yeah, exactly. Years. Make sure you put your uh, your refills in for all your medications. I'm going to tell you it's it's a weird jump in time since uh, lockdown and everything to now, where oh, it's a three hour movie. Let's get Infinity War Part Six, Psalm Four. Let's dive right in and sit down and spend the weekend watching this one movie. Now that we're sort of out of it and there's jobs and work and things to keep up on and I don't, maybe it's just because I'm older, I don't know, but the fact that I had to break this movie up into, you know, two, three bite-sized chunks was was a very different experience for me. 
So, <coughs> excuse me. I don't do that. Um, I don't know if it's the pandemic thing. I think I want to say some of it has to do with pacing, but the pacing on this movie wasn't bad. No, I think it was all. more that for me, uh, Infinity War and more directly Endgame was something that they had built towards for nine years. So, like, I was in. Three-hour movie, four-hour movie, five-hour movie. Like, I don't care. This has been building up for nine years. This is the culmination of quite possibly the best comic book crossover story that has been printed, if not the one that I've ever read. So there was a different level of energy and excitement going into that movie. Sure. Involve a direct involvement, yeah. Yeah, this one was like, oh, it's another Batman reboot. It's not a sequel. It's not. It's it's literally we're starting the franchise over yet again, and it's three mm-hmm. hours. So, like, I tucked into it on a Thursday night, and I'm gonna say I got, I got through everything except like the last forty minutes, and I probably could have powered through it. But by the time I got to that 40 minutes, like it was almost midnight and I was just at a point where like, you know what? I'm fine stopping it here and picking it up on Saturday afternoon, which is exactly what I did. Um, so, yeah, I did it in two chunks. Uh, I mean, the people who did it in one, more power to you. Uh, the people who did it in like, you know, over the course of a week vacation, <laughs> more power to you. Um, but it is what it is. It was a long movie. They've already greenlit. Uh, a sequel to it with the Back same director team. and with Robert Pattinson. Yeah. And so first off, let's, let's start at the the very beginning overall opinions. Like if you had to, if you had to put a letter grade or a number grade or something on this, uh, where would you put it in the pantheon of bats? If I had to give it a letter grade, it would be a B plus. Well, uh, I liked it. I don't I didn't find it as earth shattering and life changing as other people on social media had found it. Um, it is my second favorite Batman, quite possibly my least favorite Bruce Wayne, but I think there was a reason for that and we'll get into that. Yeah, very uh, much so. I love Jeffrey Wright as Gordon. I thought he was great. I really liked Andy Serkis as Alfred. I think that was brilliant. Uh, I liked uh, Paul Dano as the Riddler. I think they did a lot with that character. Like, I never watched the animated series, so the only Riddler that I know was, like, Frank Gorshin from the old, you know, Adam West Batman. Right, right. And to take that kind of a character, (laughs) like, goofy... You know, what's the worst he's going to do? He's going to, like, dump a bucket of water on your head over a door. Or he's going to, like, you know, hit, <laughs> you with a, hit you with a custard pie kind of villain. To this guy, like, this guy, this was... This was Bane and Joker level of villain from Nolan's mm-hmm. uh, trilogy. Yeah. But in a very, very underrated... Batman villain, and I thought that was brilliantly done. Yeah, as when I heard it was the Riddler, 
and I saw the sort of weird Bane trash bag outfit gimp mask thing that he was doing, um, I was a little like, I don't know about this. Because I love the Riddler. Right. He is he is one of my favorite bat villains, um, specifically the animated series series and then the video games, uh, which is taken from the series more than the Biff Pow right. wallop Batman. Um, I was a little I was a little hesitant, but I like the way they did it. I like the way they paced out the the clues and the mysteries and the suggestions of other things. Um, I will say that. The Batman figures out the riddle that nobody else, like, what? How did you make those A plus B equals fish connections? Um, but the fact that Alfred got the rest of them <laughs> made me really happy. The I, I, I liked the take on the Riddler as an online person um, of a certain type with a certain group of people around him. Um, it felt realer in a way that Nolan always, I want to do realistic. Nolan couldn't do. Um, it was a cool idea from top to bottom. I, I really do dig that take on the Riddler. And I, I like the idea that he ain't gone. Um, especially knowing what we know about the end of the film, which we'll get to. Yeah, no, that I liked too. It was, it was refreshing to see, a Batman movie where they didn't eliminate the villain as the quote unquote victory, uh, you know, of the movie. Right. Um, so that was very cool. Uh, I mean, I did have, there were, there was a, I'll call it, I won't call it semi major, but there was a slightly larger than minor issue I had with the movie that I just didn't understand. And then, just like a dumb thing that completely caught me off guard that I was like, who put this in there? Um, <laughs> why did they cast Colin Farrell as the penguin? All right. When after the movie, I, as I do with pretty much every movie I watch, I go and I do my IMDb and wikiing. Don't do it before. I don't pay attention at the end. I'm allowed to like now absorb what the world already knew. And my wife and I learning that, Oz was played by Colin Farrell was a moment of what? <laughs> because I had no clue it was him in, in the, in the film. I had no idea that was him, which is pretty neat. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate that they put in the penguin as what the penguin is in the sort of larger Batman sphere. Uh, I don't hate Colin Farrell. It, it was an odd choice, but he made it work. I enjoyed him. What was your problem with Colin Farrell? Or is it just that it was Colin Farrell as Penguin? Like, the, uh, a pretty boy it was like that Colin it didn't, Farrell it was as an it, ugly guy. No, no, no. Yeah, I don't care that it was Colin Farrell. I don't have anything against Colin Farrell. Uh, I just... I, there was no reason to cast him in that role when I can't see that the fact that it was Colin Farrell brought anything to the table. Like, it was Colin Farrell playing De Niro from The Untouchables. Yeah. Kind yeah. of, you know? He was, like a, he was like a Dick Tracy villain. Yeah, well, he looked like a Dick Tracy villain and sounded like a, a bad understudy to De Niro. Oh, hey, take it easy, sweetheart. When he's coming to the bar, I'm like, what the fuck was that? 
Like, I just didn't, it, it didn't make sense. It felt like they just did it to get another big name as part of it, but it 100% didn't need to be Colin Farrell. It could have been you or I at that point under all that fucking makeup. And I mean, they like, asked. It wouldn't have fucking matter. They, they asked, but I was like, no, give it to Colin. He needs it. I, um and the like and just to throw it out there since we're on the topic the other thing was when they were playing the video at the end when like they finally got through the encryption and they're like oh we've got the video oh he's he's streaming right now this guy's got over 500 followers oh god i saw that yes oh my god douchey like the way they said that that it was like this huge momentous deal like i had to go and check our twitter profile and make sure <laughs> that i didn't have a, a decimal point in the wrong place cuz we have over 4000 and we're not like kidnapping people and blowing shit up well if we want 500 Nobody now we know even what to listens do. to us and this dude's got <laughs> 500 and he's changing the way gotham thinks about itself clearly we are doing it wrong um on a very similar bad tech note there's a, a spot right near the end of the movie, uh, right before we'll call it the the epilogue, the final act, um, where he finds the map under the apartment, and there's the suggestion that Batman or Bruce Wayne is the last person he's going after, and the video that they're trying to get in is the truth lives within, and so he gets the password from underneath the floor. He goes and he goes and he's about to put, type in the password and there's like a cop peering over his shoulder. Right. And I just looked at my wife. What if that reveals who Batman is, he's going to have to kill that cop. <laughs> like it was just a a bad moment of like maybe Batman this feels like it's poorly plotted in so much as the truth it will be revealed and well, you, you don't want the world to know you're Batman, so maybe you shouldn't do it next to security guard number four. But I think, again, I think that was kind of a choice because people like you and I noticed that. And it gave the audience the chance to go, oh, but what if this review? Oh, it didn't. Okay. Never mind. Yeah. <sighs> I just love the idea that it's Bruce Wayne and he just kind of looks over to the cop. Shrugs. The cop work. is looking over his shoulder as he's typing in the password, and the password is the Batman is Bruce <laughs> Wayne. Yeah. Well, that's an odd password to have. Just another one of Riddler's jokes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that wacky Riddler. <laughs> All right. Um, I do love the fact that they addressed the, the eye makeup. Oh, uh, what? That that he always is wearing, like... Well, because in all the, the other Batman movies where they had to have black eye makeup for the suit, the minute he takes the cowl off, the eye makeup is gone. Right. Like, they never even address that it's there. And here, they actually, like, you know, show him putting it on and taking the mask off and having it still there. I thought that was kind of cool. I thought, it I mean, they, they actually... It's not that it was the elephant in the room, but it's like the movie said, yes, we know people snicker about it. We're just taking it head on. He puts eye makeup on because the eye holes are bigger. Which okay. Does, oh, okay. Cool. Which does lead to the discussion of Bruce Wayne. Yes. My chemical Wayne. Yeah. My bat parade. Uh, emo bats. And had a discussion during the movie about it. And I think you agree. This is the that choice to play Bruce as a shoulder slumped. 
head always at 45 degrees face downward. Mumbles when he talks because his mouth isn't moving so much. Mopey Mope was a choice. It was a buy. Like, he decided to play Bruce that way. So, you can't go. It was shittily acted. It was just, I believe, a poor choice for an interesting reason. Well, I don't think it was Pattinson's choice entirely. Okay. Because I, I meant a choice as the movie, but please. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so apparently Matt Reeves was listening to Nirvana when he wrote like the first third of the movie. That with, makes sense. And he wrote it with Pattinson in mind. And he came to the realization that beyond there being the wealthy philanthropist playboy version, uh, there's there could be a version of Bruce Wayne that just completely collapses in upon himself from his grief and becomes a recluse. And uh, that was kind of the direction that he wanted. He kind of was leaning on that, you know, Cobain had this relationship with fame where he hated it. Um, and this was kind of Bruce Wayne being like, fuck the whole philanthropy billionaire thing. It doesn't fucking matter. That's that's not what I care about. You can take the whole fucking thing away. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of get that. I... I didn't take it that it was based on Cobain until I was doing some research. I took it more that this is still a Bruce Wayne that is far closer to having the Band-Aid ripped off than not having the Band-Aid ripped off. And he is so throwing himself into the Batman as opposed to like alcohol or drugs or anything else to kind of take the pain away that when he's not the Batman, he doesn't really know what to be. Mm-hmm. And, and the, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that that's very visually present in a same way that like people talk about how uh, Christopher Reeves as Clark Kent versus Christopher Reeves as Superman is a very like pointedly physically decided upon mannerisms when he's Clark he's shrunk shoulders he's kind of hunched he's his hair's all when he's Superman tall broad-shouldered etc voice carries um and I think Pattinson did the exact same thing because when he was Batman motherfucker was a good Batman he really like he he stood tall his uh grovel gravel voice wasn't as comical as uh what's his face's Patrick Bateman's um, yeah, yeah. It was much more his voice just given some weight. Um, but I can see. And the other thing I'll say about the point you made is that it, it's very apparent real early on in the movie that it's it's an early bats, um, especially when it's like Gordon's still like detective fry cook Gordon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's one or two people like, what's a Batman? I've never heard of a Batman. Um I had another point that I was going to get to. And, 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 and more, uh, more to, to embellish on that point that he's a new Batman, the scene where they take him to the first crime scene mm-hmm. and they're walking him down that giant L-shaped corridor just like lined with policemen and they're all just doing like the slow glare at him as he just kind of like face ahead, walks very slowly through all the cops. Like none of the cops want him there or like him or anything right. else. By the end of the movie, 
some of them have started to kind of come around. Um, Especially because now it's very apparent, you know, which ones were on the take. Right. Oh, 100%. What about, what about the, what about the chain of command of this evidence? He's wearing gloves. (laughs) That was a, that was a great fucking line. I love Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, he was very good. I couldn't help but make Westworld jokes throughout. He just, what is it? I don't see anything at all. Um, want to mention real quick, I loved John Turturro. I'm sad John Turturro had, had his ending. Um, yeah. Because he was fucking great as Falcone. Yep. Just the, the perfect level of slimy. The scene he has with Bruce... Where he's like, oh, I don't know how your dad died. I don't know what this happened. I don't know. So I'm guessing it was that guy over there. To us finding literally two minutes later from Alfred. Um, no, 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 no. This was Falcone. So just it was bald face lying. Every beat to Turo was just perfectly slimy. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He's done some stupid movies in the past. This He, he really shined in, in this role as, as that just sleazebag. It's funny that you bring up... Uh, Alfred, because I'm looking for Andy Circus. No, 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 no. I'm looking oh. for. There was a specific uh, conversation that the two of them had. A- it was after Bruce finds out from Falcone that his father had come to him like this guy's throwing dirt about me. I want you to hurt him, and that Falcone went off and had him killed. And he wakes up next to Alfred's. Uh, when the Alfred's in the hospital and yep. he's like, you lied to me the whole time. You told me my father was a good man. Da, 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 da. And just, it was the one part of the movie that I legit laughed out loud. at something I know 100% they did not want anybody laughing about. And it was the fact that he go, that, that Alfred tells Bruce, um, your father was torn up you know, over the fact that that reporter got killed and he told Falcone that he was going to go to the cops and he was going to turn himself in and he didn't care what happened. And the next day, your mother and your father were dead. Are you saying Falcone did it? I wish I had the proof to say it, but it sure seems coincidental. Or maybe it was just some random thug as your parents came out of a movie theater one night. Who's to say? And I was like, what? Just the fact that the established, according to Hoyle, canon kind of Johnny Dirtbag trying to steal the necklace and killing his parents was just a throwaway. Or maybe it happened that way. Who knows? Maybe it was Zorro. I lost my fucking mind. That was hilarious. I In that same exact sequence, uh, it's actually the very beginning of the sequence, uh, Bruce is sitting there moping. And Alfred wakes up and, like, Bruce lays out questions and Alfred starts laying out answers in a very, like, didn't didn't he just wake up from being in, like, a semi-coma? Like, yeah. Isn't he, did, shouldn't he be going, ow, it hurts to talk? Ow, my arm hurts to move? Ow, I just exploded? Like, <laughs> let's have a deep philosophical discussion about parental relations. Yeah. You know, my real dad. Uh, which was a line that he used. Yes. Uh, I think the only other character we sort of didn't touch upon was Selena Kyle, Catwoman. Uh, Zoe Kravitz, who I thought she was good. I, I like the way they took her. She's a much more modern Catwoman than... Um, she was fantastic as Catwoman. Yeah. She was super, super good. She 
skirted the line between villain and hero perfectly. And that's a real hard thing to do with Catwoman because, yeah. you know, she's a thief, but she's also not the worst thief. Right. Eh. Um, but as a modern interpretation, I thought it was better than the, the final Nolan Batman by far. Yes. Yeah, no, I'll give you that 100%. Um, I want to go back to when we were talking about how he felt more comfortable as Batman than he did as Bruce Wayne. There was a yeah, line that Riddler gave once we once we get him into Arkham. Who, quick tangent, I collected a lot of Batman comics when I collected comics. Um, but that was like years ago. I probably stopped like 20 years ago. So I don't know if it was a recent development, if it was something that was always there that I just never knew or picked up on, but I was kind of thrown when they were talking about the legacy of Bruce Wayne, the son of Thomas Wayne and Martha Arkham. I did catch that. I was like, oh, what? Yeah, I don't know if that's canonical into comic i don't know enough about batman lore yeah i mean that was that was kind of mind-blowing because that suddenly like that spun my brain off on a whole other different set of questions um but so riddler is sitting in arkham asylum and he's looking at batman and he sees him in his outfit and he says your mask is amazing i wish you could have seen me in mine ain't it funny all everyone wants to do is unmask you but they're missing the point you and I both know I'm looking at the real you right now. My mask allowed me to be myself completely. No shame, no limits. And that, I believe, in a nutshell, is the whole direction and arc of Pattinson's Batman slash Bruce Wayne. I'm thankful he was only Bruce Wayne for like a total of 12 minutes in the entire movie. And everything yeah. else, he was Batman. But you're right. When he was Bruce Wayne, he was very... I don't want to say unsure of himself, but he seemed very nervous, very aware that he was kind of uh, under the microscope. And and when people were talking to him, he just didn't seem comfortable under the attention. But the minute you put that cape and cowl on and nobody knew who he was, you're right. The back was straight. The, the stride was stronger. Like he just was far more comfortable in the suit and in the cowl than he was as Bruce Wayne. And that comment from Riddler really hit home for me as to the direction that he was probably given. Like, this is the real you. The Bruce Wayne right. is the facade that you put forward. So what you're saying is that if you were to ask Bruce, he would say he was crawling in his skin. Those wounds, they would not heal. Uh, sure. I want... <laughs> It's, that was a, it was a Lincoln Park lyric. Yeah, I know. Um, one last bit about Riddler and that very speech that I thought was fantastic because it establishes one of the sort of, I would say one of the most famous Batman arcs, um, specifically with Joker, is the idea that the Riddler wouldn't have existed without Batman. The, the idea there that these villains, that the city needed a hero, and since 
they got the Batman, this weirdo in a fucking cape and super, and a flying squirrel outfit soaring through the city. Now the villains are going to match the hero you got. So it wasn't the Joker that made you need the Batman. It was the Batman that made the Joker. Um, and Riddler basically says that up front. I only, I did what I did because I saw you. And that's a very interesting way to take uh, a franchise Batman. Right, but isn't that the same argument that Nicholson's Joker gave? Was it? I don't quite remember. I mean, it's a famous Batman egg, chicken and egg argument. Yeah, Um, yeah. I don't know if Nicholson ever used that exact argument. If he he might have, he very well might have. I'm gonna I'm gonna we're gonna keep talking, but I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. Oh, all right. For sure, it's under the quotes. I'll just quote some Taking Back Sunday. Um, where do we go? Do who do you put as our next bat villain? Because at the end of the movie, we are in uh, Blackgate Prison, and we get the obvious Joker. Now, they could easily switch it off and it's not Joker. It was just some schlub to the side like they kind of did in Gotham. Um, do you go second movie Joker or do you give it one more movie to sort of bake in and do, I don't know, Egghead or something? Wasn't Well, wasn't there somebody else at the end there? Was it just... I thought it was just Riddler and Joker talking, like, sort of cell to cell. Because he does the laugh. He says, yeah, I, yeah, know, I couldn't tell. If, I couldn't remember if there was somebody else. And the actor that played the Joker is sort of a, a lesser name. He's been on some, pardon me, he's been on some younger kids shows, but he he looks like he could totally do it. Um. And I was very happy on that note that Riddler was played by a similarly, like, just a guy. Right. I, I, I'm I glad it wasn't. I, I, I'm happy that Colin Farrell was the Penguin and not the Riddler, because that would have been fucking stupid. You know, he looked like the, the guy who played the Riddler looked like one of the trailer park boys. So, uh, what I'm reading here is that this is supposed to be the first of a new Batman trilogy to establish a Batman-focused shared universe separate from the DCEU. Oh, well, that's not confusing. Uh, While Clark said the Batman would lay a foundation for future films to build upon, Pattinson... Pattinson and Reeves expressed interest in reintroducing Robin, featuring the Court of Owls, Calendar Man, Mr. Freeze, Ooh. or Hush as villains in sequels. They mentioned Hush, and I went, oh. I was so happy they mentioned Hush. And that's an easy villain to fit into uh, into the bat into this series. Since they, they I mean put a, he is, but I feel like it would lose a lot of the impact because for me, the biggest draw into reading that hush storyline was because they wanted you to think it was Jason Todd and Jason Todd had been dead. So like to have it be hush, but not have anything to do with Jason Todd or any of that other stuff. 
I think would really lower the impact of hmm. what that villain could do. Well, I, I mean, maybe, I that, s- maybe that's just me, but that's that's what got me. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Is this is this Jason Todd? Like, how is that possible? It's a fair enough point. Um, especially given, I mean, during the comic series, there was there's sort of two ways it could go. And it's either, you know, Jason Todd, or it's this interesting new character from Batman's history whom fits in perfectly and seamlessly canonically. wonder which one it will be. One of my, it's one of my favorite Batman stories just because it's so pretty, if anything. Oh, absolutely. Um, but, no, you make a good point. But if they're, they want to introduce a Robin character, hmm. I don't know. That's an interesting, interesting point. But I would be, I'm down with all of those characters. I think Court of Owls, uh, which is going to be featured in the next Batman video game. Um, okay. Is rife for the taking. If... Where if Marvel's now grabbing from stories that came out like five years ago, then DC doing something similar and taking, you know, what has become a more major plot line of, of notable Batman stuff in the same way that uh, the first Nolan one was Raja Ghoul. Um, I think there's there's something to do in Court of Owls. I think that'd be pretty badass. It's the right city, the right Gotham for that. Right. Um, although I did laugh my ass off at Gotham Square Garden. Now... This may seem silly, but I was kind of always under the impression in the DC comic book universe that Gotham... It's Chicago. That's what I always thought. And Metropolis was New York. Yeah. Um, whereas this very definitively was New York. Like 1978 Warriors New York, but New York. But still, yeah. So that was, I, that just had a weird feel to it because it did. like you always assume that Gotham was Chicago, but it like, even the Nolan Batmans, they were, they were filmed in a way that you knew it was a major city, but it wasn't New York. It didn't have that, <laughs> that glitz or that, 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 you know, shine that New York does. Now, um, similarly, it's funny because it's also an island. True. So it's it sort of skirts the line a bit, but I'm with you. I I've always and, and heard you know the what I, that's Chicago. I can't really say that because the Nolan Batman with Bane was clearly fucking New York when they were blowing up all the bridges to right. uh, to not leave the island. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Um, I would like to see the Selena Kyle thing continue, Most where definitely. where she's definitely. Like, she helps when it suits her interests to help, but doesn't help when it doesn't suit her interests kind of thing. Um, I don't know if they should go Joker on the second movie. I honestly don't think they should. I think there's enough buy-in and interest. Like, we knew the Joker wasn't the villain for this one, and, and this movie did great. So I don't think you need to have that Batman Joker. And I also tie it back to the way I felt when I watched the first Avengers movie and you saw that cutscene after where Thanos kind of turns and looks at the camera. Like, you know he's on the horizon. But they need to build up to it. You know, it, it wasn't just the very next bad guy. Mm-hmm. So I, I it would be interesting. I mean, just because they said Calendar Man, it, it would be interesting and possibly fantastic 
to see how they could take somebody like Calendar Man and turn him into like a huge major villain. I don't want to say in the way that they just did with the, with the Riddler, because the Riddler is one of his biggest rogues gallery people. Sure. But if you were going to, you know, A, B, C, D, E list them, I wouldn't put him in like the A, B or maybe even C list no. of, of villains. But they made him that in this movie. So it would be really interesting to see how they would take somebody like Calendar Man, who I would say 90% of people who are not... 100% crazy diehard bat fans have no idea who the fuck calendar man is. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think what they would do is they would take a shot for shot of the long Halloween, um, where really calendar it's what calendar man's one amazing story. And it has a nice lead into other bat stuff. Um, so between the court of owls and the long Halloween, that's that's two movies that's pretty easy like and i easy i say having made so many movies myself um that just that it's untouched territory you know they've now we've seen a thousand joker stories and i would not hate it if joker didn't appear although i know that's never going to happen joker's money right um but give me calendar man and an owl oh here for it and and not go into the Superman, not Superman, Spider-Man three thing where like, all right, just put another guy in. We throw, I don't know, the, the stilt. Can we, can we get speedball in there? Yeah, that's like clearly just like every fucking movie. They are going to say, well, now how do we make the next one bigger, better, stronger, faster? Mm-hmm. Um, I just hope they manage to do that mostly with story and not just because they're throwing two extra villains into the one villain they're already considering and just make it this completely overstaffed mess. Which I understood it when it was the original 1989 Batman because it's like, how do you top Nicholson? Well, we give you Michelle Pfeiffer and Danny DeVito because we give you Michelle you Pfeiffer them, in vinyl. Well, yes, and Danny um, DeVito, yes, and Danny DeVito, not in vinyl. No. <laughs> <laughs> so the budget of the film was somewhere between 185 and 200 million. Took a buy this surprised me and it surprised me not because of the quality of the movie just because the number it took in uh 764.5 million in box office mm -hmm. i didn't know movies could reach that now i legitimately like i haven't thought about going to a movie in three years i am blown away that a movie in the theater almost crested to billion um when like maybe it's just because i don't see commercials so i don't know what the the ad campaign was and i didn't understand the buzz about it because i wasn't paying attention like the fact that this made three quarters of a, a billion dollars in box office is astounding to me unless they're also including some sort of streaming service stuff in there uh i don't think i wouldn't think they are because that's a big number 
Yeah, I, I like I didn't even get a chance to look at other movies that came out around the same time just to see what kind of numbers that they did. Um, I mean, it's listed as the highest grossing film of 2022. I mean, it's, it's a good but, start. Uh, it's only March, but three quarters yeah, no. of a billion. Ooh, buddy. Um, I mean, West Side so Story came out the same week. It is intended to launch a Batman shared universe with two sequels and two spin-off television series in development for HBO Max. So that's interesting. I'm leaving this space intentionally blank while I'm trying to look up the box office numbers. No, that's fine. That week. So that week, number two was Uncharted at 50 million. Number three, The Lost City at 39. Dog at 27. Spider-Man No Way Home at 20. But that had been out since early December, so it's right. it, it was still making twenty in March. Um, but first opening weekend was three hundred and thirty-eight million, so it made its thirty-three percent of its its box office in that first weekend. Um, and the next one down is Uncharted, which, from what I understand, is a, was a dog, but I have not seen it, so I can't speak to it. Um, I'll tell you what movies 50. are gonna probably. Do just as good, if not better. Uh, uh, two Dr. days Strange. from now, Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness opens. Hell yeah, it does. Top I might Gun actually go to the theater. Top Gun Maverick opens on May twenty seventh, yeah. and if you have not seen the trailer for it, you for should fucking check it out. Top Gun. Yeah, the yeah. trailer's been out since twenty twenty because that's what it was supposed to be released. That's that's my concern about that one. Like, I understand why they pushed it back. They pushed back so many things. Just ask Scarlett Johansson. Right. But do you think that there is an... I know Top Gun is a favorite movie of a lot of people, and I know it started Cruz's career, really. Do you think there's enough hype behind it that it's... 100%. It's gonna, okay. 100%. Look, I'm surprised how well the Batman did, and it's fucking the Batman, so... Yeah, I, no, if no you have not seen the trailer, see the fucking trailer. All right. Because, and yes, this is a Batman review episode, but I just got to talk about this. We are they, we they came up with a new configuration of IMAX cameras where they were able to fit five cameras inside the cockpit of these F-14s. So, like, there are scenes where it is Tom Cruise and these actors flying these planes because you have in-cockpit views of Tom Cruise in the F-14 getting shot down the aircraft carrier and then that whole lunge forward as the aircraft carrier falls away and he's now under his own power. Um, the, the filming that they were able to do for this is redonkulous. And if watching the trailer alone does not make you want to go see this movie, then you will just not ever go see this movie. But this trailer was amazing. All right. Like, and it brings back that nostalgia for when you saw the original movie. 
there's there's one line in the trailer that I have to say it is hilarious and it's well delivered on both parties. It's Tom Cruise in one of the conference rooms at the Top Gun Academy, and there's two other higher ranking officers sitting at a table, and he's standing in front of a presentation board, and he goes, uh, "I have to admit." I wasn't expecting an invitation back. And there's a 10 second pause. And one of the guys at the table goes, they're called orders Maverick. (laughs) And like just the look on Tom Cruise's face, it's almost like, but you didn't have to say that. Like he didn't say that, but the look on his face was like, you could have lied to me and just fooled me. But uh, theatons are all out of whack. No, the, the the filming just looks amazing. And yes, that movie, I believe, will do just as good, if not better, than the Batman, as will Doctor Strange, as will, I believe, Jurassic World Dominion when it comes out in June. I mean, I'm definitely, I'll definitely give you Doctor Strange. Will Jurassic... Ooh, will Jurassic, Jurassic World, World pulls back the original group. Oh, that's right. I forgot. It's all the, it's everybody's back together again. Yeah, so yeah. that's I definitely going to that's gonna print Iron money, so. too. All right. We shall see. I'm sure at some point we'll do a best of the summers episode as we have in the past. Sure. As we, we did. Uh, we did. We've I, I, gone I, I, like yeah. summer blockbusters. There's nobody who listens to us now who listened to us from the very beginning. So that's they, fair. Nobody knows. That's fair. Eric, Eric, if you're listening, just go back to the episodes <laughs> for us. <laughs> Thanks, man. So, final opinions. I thought this was a great start to the to the new Battleverse. I am not thrilled with DC splitting off their builded universes things. I'm so fucking done with them. If you're not going to do it right, stop trying. Stop splitting yourself off. Just make a make make a consolidated effort to make a shared universe or don't. Just no, make movies. I no, I I think they're doing it the right way. They did try that and it didn't work. So the Justice League experiment is over as it yes. should be. So this is but a restart to they know all Batman universe? is their bread and butter. I mean, the Superman movies aren't, aren't doing it for them. No. So everything is their Batman movies. So if they can start tying in other possible people and things into the Bat universe... I mean, I don't necessarily think that they're going to start coming up with, like, Flash and Cyborg and Aquaman through Batman movies. Right. But if they're going to have a Catwoman TV show on HBO Max that ties into the movie, or if they're going to have, you know, uh, a Penguin TV show that ties into the movie, then that's effectively a shared universe that they're starting. It's just not the DC extended universe. But it's still their shared universe because it all that ties together. I would be okay with that. Yeah, put it that way. Yes, um, I I would argue the only point you made that I disagreed with was that they tried justice. They tried to do it the right way with Justice League because they didn't. But they they no they did but around. they tried and and yeah. they went all in on it. So there was no backing out and starting over with that. 100%. But um, as long as episode, Batman episode 2, we get Mr. Mitzelplick, I'm in. Mm. <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts and opinions? Uh, I hope the next one is two and a half hours long. Yes. I think that's kind of like the right time frame. 
Yeah, I would have been. They could have, and I think they could have shaved off a half hour without. Oh, we didn't mention one thing that I wanted to talk to you about. Oh, oh well, then mention it. We're still what did recording? you think of the car? I like the car. your opinion on the car. I like the car. Uh, the car was definitely designed to feel like Bruce built it himself. Uh, it didn't come from, you know, Lucius Fox and, you know, Wayne Tech did not mm-hmm. have a, a team of engineers pouring over and building something like that. Um, I liked it. It definitely felt homemade. Yes, um, I agree. But it also felt it lended itself to the realistic part of it. You know, as as much as Nolan's Batman tried to be, quote unquote, gritty and realistic, um, the fact that the tumbler was in it and the fact that the tumbler could blow up and become a actual motorcycle uh, <laughs> was not very realistic. Right. But this, yeah, this literally felt like, you know, some dude who was working on a chassis to take to Raceway Park to try to make a 12 second car and then decided, or I could fight crime and just, you know. <laughs> Uh, a or B. <laughs> throw black panels around it. Um, I liked yeah, it. it. Was, I thought it was really good. I saw the car when they first showed it. They they actually tease it pretty well in the first scene where you see him in front of the back pewter. Uh, it's under a dust cloth. And I was like, that's a much tinier bat car. That's You could tell it was like slimmer. Yes. And then when they do the reveal, I was like, that's a fucking muscle car. That's gorgeous. I don't even know cars <laughs> in that thing's badass. Yeah, and they and Matt Reeves has gone on record saying that they wanted to make they wanted the car to be a character in and of itself. And since this movie felt slightly more I'll use the term horrorish. Sure. But that's just because it was slightly darker overall than other movies. Yeah, and Riddler um, had a very terrorist vibe. Yeah, this, I mean, it very, the car very much felt like Christine. It definitely had its own kind of personality to it when it was on the screen. Coming this summer, the car is alive. Batmobile, WB. Alfred's belt. Coming this spring. Overall, I'm looking forward to the next one. I agree. I don't want to see Joker yet. I think, uh, hold on, tease that out. Show him at the end. Give us one shot. Not even a full facial shot. Just sitting in shadow as he gets out of Blackgate or Arkham or wherever. I'm, I'm all about that. But uh, I, th- I think the DC extended universe, just let it, let it lay quiet and dormant for a good five years. Let everybody forget. And so you can start a whole new Bat franchise right from the beginning. You can all watch the fucking kid watches his mom's pearls fall to the ground again. Uncle Ben <laughs> dies. Jean Grey dies. New Batman. And and I mean, and that's, yeah. The minute you say the Batman, people are waiting for when the Joker is going to show up. You've already got them on the hook. There's there's no need to make that the very next character. Like I agree. Let it Let it sit for a while. Bring out some other characters. Keep building up that mystique of the Joker. Because now the question becomes, if he's out there, like, in the original Keaton Batman, the Joker was, quote-unquote, created by Batman. Yes. In the, the Killing Joke comic book, he was kind of created by Batman, because Batman was breaking up the heist. 
and he, he fell into the vat of chemicals. Correct, yes. Good call. If the Joker is now in Arkham, who the fuck put him there? Yep. Like, how did he get, how did he become the Joker? How did he get there? What's that whole thing about? And if he's there, clearly I would assume somebody knows more about him than we know about any other Jokers. Right. So let him sit there for a while. Yep. What did you think of the bats? What did you think of him and his wonderful toys? Did you dance with the devil with him in the pale moonlight? Where can they do that? That was terrible. Wasn't All of that was terrible. Thank you. Answer me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can go to somethingcast.com. It is the repository of all things something. Uh, you can find where to find us on Twitter at STSTCast. Where to find us on Facebook slash something somethingcast. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. You can listen to all of our back issues and read all of our episodic blog posts over on somethingcast.com. Uh, also, since we are discussing about where you can find us, you can find us over at twitch.tv slash live stream for the cure Friday night, May 20th at 9 p.m. We are once again part of live stream for the cure. This is the sixth year for live stream for the cure. The third year that we are a part of it. This year's target. We are raising $20,000 for cancer research to be donated to the cancer research Institute for immunotherapy research. Uh, we look forward to being part of this every year, ever since we started doing it three years ago. Um, it is one of the reasons why we do this podcast, because we both agreed early on that should this podcast go anywhere and should we get listeners and a following and a platform with which to do stuff, it is one of the things that we wanted to do to leverage the platform that we had to try to do some good. And uh, it is a great cause by an amazing group of people. It is three days of podcasters and content creators coming together to try to raise money uh, to fight for hope and make a world immune for cancer. Um, we are looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you can find us there. Anything that you want to know about the event, including if you would like to donate early, you can go to livestreamforthecure.com. All of the information is on the website. And Nick is doing streams and uh, sort of pre-game stuff all month long, so be sure to check him out on Twitch as well. You, real, you said one thing. Um, you know how I know we're old? Because you said you can go check out our back issues, and I was like, we didn't do an episode about our back issues. You can check out our back issues and our <laughs> knee issues and our <laughs> hip pain. Just call our orthopedist. Yep. I'm James Hatton. I'm Podcast Rob. We'll see you next time. Later. Something, 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 something. Okay, here we go.